Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Tonight, Hunter and the Hunted. For six years, I have been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, Where's Hunter? A credible, transparent, investigation that has produced a lot of troubling evidence. Impeachment day is here. And this stupid, blundering investigation is keeping us from getting any real work done for the people of America. I have no evidence of it, and I'm going to just follow the facts where they are. The losers are clear. The winners? Well, that might surprise you. Shortening the leash. Hamas hides in tunnels, playing for time, while Biden chastises Israelis over their winning strategy. Will the White House snatch victory away from Israel? Not the A-team. Obama's Secret Service detail couldn't even use their own boat to save a drowning man. Does their motto of zero fail need to change? Victory lap not taken. The stock market gives President Biden some real news to celebrate. Why the White House never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And the House always wins. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Ahead, the man who knows how members of Congress consistently beat the stock market and how you, too, can be your very own Wolf of Wall Street. Breaking news on the impeachment inquiry as we welcome you to the Ferris show on television. First tonight, never underestimate Republicans' ability to screw things up. Again, the GOP House just voted to go ahead and start an impeachment inquiry on President Biden. While Democrats will love to cry and play the victim about impeachment, they love it. They will unite Democrats around a historically unpopular president and their friends in the media will focus on Republicans rather than anything having to do with the Bidens. The morning began with Hunter Biden showing up on Capitol Hill. He announced he would defy a Republican subpoena to testify in a closed door hearing. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. There's no evidence, you might say, yet. And to be fair, in the past, Hunter has had an unusual and difficult relationship with the truth. So stay tuned. But you might remember, Hunter offered to testify publicly and Republicans turned him down. 
was a calculated risk. If Hunter really did something bad and Republicans had the goods, it's a must-see TV. But Republicans said no. They would only talk to him in private, giving Democrats, admittedly, a great talking point. Chairman Comer, I say, what are you afraid of hearing from? It sounds like the only reason you would want to do this privately is if you don't have the goods. Hunter Biden and his lawyer called this bluff and said, we're coming in and he's going to testify before the world. And then suddenly they wouldn't take yes for an answer. They changed their mind and they said no. Not only is the committee not allowing Hunter Biden to testify publicly, but they have not called a single witness a single first-hand witness to any of their allegations. All right. So you remember what Hunter said about his behavior. He said he acted extremely irresponsibly. Reasonable people can agree. Hunter acted far beyond extremely irresponsibly. And addiction is not an excuse for breaking the law. He was irresponsible about things far beyond just his finances. And Joe Biden, the president, lied when he said he never discussed Hunter's business dealings, among other things. But Republicans have become so scared of their own impeachment inquiry, their impeachment leader will no longer go on Fox News. A Republican will no longer go on Fox News because the questions are too tough. The questions from Steve Ducey, first Steve Ducey, their morning show host, and then Chairman Comer. Republicans at this point don't have, they've got a lot of ledgers and spreadsheets, but they have not connected the dots. They've connected the dots, the Department of Justice did, on Hunter, but they have not shown where Joe Biden, uh, you know, did anything illegally. Say, if all the work you've done, that you have nothing. Why do you think that is? Well, he's been this, he's had that position from the very beginning. I've quit going on Fox and Friends because of Ducey. You know, I mean, he's the one guy on Fox that's been uh, very critical of the investigation. I have my theory why. We'll talk about that at a later point. But at the end of the day, he's entitled to his opinion. But uh, I don't think the average viewer of Fox News agrees with, with Ducey one bit. I know Steve Ducey. If his questions about impeachment Joe Biden are too hard, that says more about you and your case than the questions. Impeachment only raises the expectations for Republicans. Politics is an expectations game. It unites Democrats around Biden. And worst of all, it distracts from the really bad stuff Hunter did and his dad got awfully close to. For example, another part of Hunter's speech today. For six years, I've been the target of the unrelenting Trump attack machine shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here's my answer. I am here. Let me state as clearly as I can. My father was not financially involved in my business, not as a practicing lawyer, not as a board member of Burisma, not in my partnership with a Chinese private businessman, not in my investments at home nor abroad and certainly not as an artist. Hmm. Right, because people are buying Hunter's $500,000 paintings because they may end up in the Louvre. And of course, has nothing to do with Hunter Biden's name being Hunter Biden. But that's not the important part of the soundbite. What Hunter said was very important there. He said, my father was not financially involved. It's a big difference from what his father used to say over and over and over again when Joe Biden used to claim He never talked about his son's business dealings. That's patently false. But Republicans have now set the expectations sky high. They can't just attack Joe Biden on being dishonest. 
they now have to prove high crimes and misdemeanors. The people they have to prove that to is the United States Senate. Here now, member of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, Senator Ron Johnson. Senator, it's good to see you, sir. We appreciate it. Um, Impeachment, I think you know very well from having been through it a couple of times um, with President Trump, is a political act, not a criminal one. How does this work out well politically for Republicans? Good evening and Merry Christmas. First of all, they haven't voted to proceed to impeachment. They voted for an impeachment inquiry because the witnesses have not been cooperating. Uh, The reason you call somebody in for a deposition, which is completely different from a hearing where questioning goes back and forth between the sides and you can't really open up a line of questioning, is a deposition you can, you know, follow the trail and you you can do detailed questioning, but you first need the documents. So I think Senator Grassley and I certainly laid out a, a strong case, certainly not to elect President Biden because with all those conflicts of interest that the tens of millions of dollars flowing in from countries adversarial to America into his son's labyrinth of uh, businesses set up for money laundering. That's why you do that. Um, and I think the House has done a responsible job carrying that investigation forward, filling in piece of the puzzle, showing money flowing into Biden bank accounts. Again, they call them loans, but that's also a classic uh, technique of money launders as well. Um, so again, there's a mountain of evidence that we need to keep tracking down. That's what investigations are all about. And when you don't have cooperating witnesses, it takes time, but you also need the documents. So uh, all the House voted today for was an impeachment inquiry to strengthen their hands in front of the court, which these witnesses are forcing them to go to court to enforce their subpoenas. All right. So you and you and Mr. Grassley have laid out, Senator Grassley have laid out some some interesting theories. I, I think we can all agree we haven't gotten there all the way to proof of, of a crime by Joe Biden. But you know Democratic senators very well. You've served with them for a long time. If you're able to prove everything that you think you can prove and all of the uh, accusations and innuendo that Chairman Comer and others have laid out, if you can prove all that, do you know a single Democratic senator who would vote to convict Joe Biden uh, in an impeachment trial? If he was doing a great job and was going to sail to re-election, no. But if they want to throw him under the bus, possibly. Again, the House hasn't voted for an impeachment yet. There, it's an impeachment inquiry to strengthen their hands so they can actually get to the truth. And I think pursuing the truth, exposing it, is what the American people deserve. So I think the House is, is acting very responsibly here. Let me just ask this from a political standpoint. I think you, you make a point that this, this is not accusing the president of high crimes and misdemeanors, fair enough. Um, But if there is an impeachment and then a conviction, um, if this is not just a purely political exercise, if this is actually a fact-finding mission and then checking to see if the president of the United States engaged in illegal behavior, um, you all know that Kamala Harris becomes president um, if this this happens, uh, that all of a sudden changes the dynamic for 2024 that gives Democrats a way to get Joe Biden off the ticket, um, which would be a lot harder to do uh, on their own. Uh, is that something that you all have considered as a, a possible outcome? And that would be better than having Joe Biden in November of 2024 to run against? Well, I would certainly consider that. And I would also consider the fact that for only 11, 10, 9, 8 months before an election, I'd let the American people decide. I would advise against actually moving forward to impeachment. But I completely support the impeachment inquiry so they can get the evidence so that these witnesses will stop stonewalling. Remember, President Trump's children, under subpoena of the House, complied with the subpoena and you know, sat for deposition. 
Why won't Hunter Biden do that? Because Hunter Biden and the Bidens believe they're above the law. They're not. They need to provide the evidence. The American people deserve the truth. And then once we understand what the evidence is, then the House would make the decision whether impeachment would be wise. I would suggest in the midst of an election year, it probably wouldn't be. I would agree with you there. But I disagree. We absolutely do need the impeachment inquiry to get these witnesses to cooperate so the American people understand the truth which they deserve. For, forgive me, but it, it sounds an awful lot like this is a political exercise to investigate a political enemy based on that answer rather than an impartial and effort to, to seek for a higher calling for an adherence to the Constitution. No, listen, President Biden, for example, canceled the China Initiative, one of his first actions as president, uh, which was the Department of Justice program to investigate and end Chinese theft of intellectual property on college campuses. Why did he do that? You know, to what extent uh, does his, all this money coming in from these foreign adversaries, to what does that compromise his judgment in terms of decisions he's making? The American people have a right to understand how this president might be compromised. Uh, our job is in Congress, one of our main constitutional responsibilities is, is oversight. Oversight over the executive branch. Uh, oversight on a president that is faithless, that is not faithfully executing the law. These are things we should do. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to move to impeachment, which may not be politically smart. But the pursuit of the truth is worthy, you know, particularly when it relates to the president of the United States that could be compromised, that I think is corrupt. I think it's obvious he's corrupt. Why else would foreign entities pay his, his family tens of millions of dollars? They provided yeah. no service for that. They did it for favors. They did it for political considerations. No, yeah, that is something it's an excellent point. need to understand. Yeah, no, it's an excellent point. Why would somebody buy $500,000 worth of art uh, from Hunter Biden if it wasn't to seek influence um, as well? Senator, it's good to see you. We appreciate the time and always your willingness to come on. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours if we don't talk before, sir. Merry Christmas to you. All right. All right. So how the impeachment drama, and the senator sort of laid this out, how it plays out remains to be seen. But it's not like Mr. Biden is getting any help from his comm shop. All right, the market soared over 300 points today, hitting the 37,000 mark for the first time in history. The jump came after the Federal Reserve announced they were leaving interest rates unchanged. They signaled a possible cut in 2024. This comes after more good economic news. The unemployment rate fell this week, and inflation across America has slowed. Still means prices are going up, but inflation's going down. So the White House could be popping champagne, rallying support around the president. They could bring him out for a, a big... Ex- big, exciting news conference in the press briefing room. Poll numbers, though, are stumbling. They're in the tank, really. And you didn't see President Biden today. You didn't see him taking a victory lap, either in the Rose Garden or in the East Room or in the Blue Room or in the press briefing room or even in the Oval Office. Trump used to come out all the time and champion the market. Biden did not today. Missed an easy opportunity to put points on the board. He'll now hear now political consultant Sir Michael Singleton and former D.C. Democratic Party chairman Scott Bolden. Gentlemen, it's good to see you both. All right, uh, Scott, I'm going to start with you. Um, I got three explanations that I came up with for why we didn't see President Biden today uh, to celebrate this. One, his press shop's incompetent. Um, there's evidence for that. Two, because the middle class and the working class of America has been left behind with the market rally. 
Uh, the economy is the third rail for President Biden. Three, uh, and there may be reason to believe this, that the press shop doesn't want to put President Biden out there in an unscripted situation. They don't want him taking questions from the press. I'm not sure which one's better or worse, but you get to pick. There's a fourth one, uh-huh. that Biden isn't Donald Trump, and he doesn't come out and do press conferences every day to lie to the American people or to give hyperbole to the American people. He wouldn't even have to Given lie, though. A, he could say it's at 37,000. Well, here, here's the challenge, right? Uh, these are excellent numbers. Bidenomics has, has been his cornerstone, and Bidenomics is working. But the challenge is, is that the American people still aren't feeling it when you look at those polling numbers. Now... Uh, give it a day or two, he may come out and, and support those numbers and, and not take a victory lap, but to say that we're moving in the right direction. But if I were the Republicans, I'd be concerned about these numbers, not because it's positive news, but because it's positive news in December and the election is in November. Biden's going to be the nominee. If these numbers continue, you're going to see the president touting them. And more importantly, this economy is going to change and people are going to start feeling it. For example, energy prices are down five to six percent. The Consumer Price Index indicates that inflation is on the way downward. And so... Over time, America's going to put you out. Amer- in the you put me out, out. And, and you're and you don't want me to go through the economic numbers, but it's all positive. No, can I say, though, and why do the Republicans want a bad economy for America simply for political yeah, but, purposes? But, but, but can I say, though, the idea that Bidenomics is working? I just don't think that's true. For me. Just saw Wait, it. Hold on a minute. Success on Wall Street does not mean success on Main Street. And there's a reason why there's a reason employment may be down. But if the price and cost of goods is still higher than they were four or five years ago, it doesn't matter. Those are on the way down, too, because I'm still not making enough money. Let me just say this really quickly. (laughs) There was a stat that just came out about a week ago. You need about two point three million dollars for the course of an American's lifetime to ascertain the American dream. Two point three million dollars. Most Americans can't afford it, Leland. In fact, the statistic went on to cite that most individuals that fall in this categorical middle class that's barely non-existent are short by $1 million of that. And so I went on to say that this idea that the economics are improving may be true for individuals at the very, very top. But for people who are working everyday jobs, people who are trying to buy a home, it's not existent. They don't feel it. They don't see it. Versus versus oh, yeah, well, the Trump he, he, years, he's, he's, they did, at least in the first two well, years. And Donald Trump's talking about that right now. Yes. He's, in, he's in Iowa making, yes. this, making this point. But mm-hmm. This is a larger issue, though, about the Biden press shop and how they're doing live pictures of President Trump. Kamala Harris' husband, uh, Doug Emhoff, the second gentleman, posted a tweet that massively mischaracterized the history and meaning behind Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Eight hours after posting it and people noticed they had to take it down. Uh, that was the tweet um, that that was problematic. And I guess, Scott, I'm asking you, are Democrats a little bit frustrated with how this White House is handling the president and handling communications? I wouldn't say frustrated, but from a political standpoint, the campaign hasn't started yet. There's a lot of growth there for sure. But I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think they're, they're frustrated. I think they... Uh, They've got a job to do for the president, and then they've got a campaign to run. And the media and others are really itching. Now he sounds like he sounds like a Republican. Hold on, are itching itching to get into this campaign? He's going to be the nominee. This campaign hasn't started yet, and when the campaign starts, and when this economy continues to improve for everyday Americans, not rich folks, you sound like a Democrat. This is how you know he's a lawyer and charges by the hour because he filibusters the whole. Well, look, Leland. 
you get the last 30 seconds. He's right in regards to at least as of today, Joe Biden will be the nominee for the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. But every single Democrat that I talk to on background, other strategists, they are worried and concerned about Joe Biden. The campaign has started. They have not done a great job executing the successes that they might believe that the president has thus far because they know that they aren't resonating with the American people. People think he's too old. They think he's past his prime. They don't like the vice president. They want another option, which is why Donald Trump, despite everything he's going through, appears to be ahead of, of, of President Biden by five to six percentage points. Okay. Who would have expected that just two, three months Criminal ago? Criminal justice system is going thank you very to much. take care thank of Donald you very Trump. Much. Okay. And Biden's going to be the nominee. That's already been the polls. People don't care. And another thing. Let me they just don't say care. this to you. Okay. Let me just say this the, to you. The could you guys you just act like you're talking yeah, so we, I can read the tweets? Go right ahead. Coming up next, some breaking news out of Israel as Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has told the Biden administration to butt out of how they're running their war with Hamas. All right, will the White House back down in its criticism of the Israeli battle plan? And a stock tip, win a congressional seat. We'll show you the man, we'll introduce you to the man who knows the inside secret to Congress's crazy ability to beat the market. He'll share it with you when we come back. We're not going to characterize every airstrike. We're not going to speak for Israeli military operations. The president was reflecting a concern that we have had for some time. That's National Security Council spokesman John Kirby defending President Biden's criticisms of the Israeli campaign in Gaza. And just in the past few minutes, the Biden administration put a major shot across Israel's bow. Barack Ravid of Axios reports the U.S. is delaying the sale of M-16 rifles to Israel over violence by Jews against Palestinians in the West Bank. Israel, in the first week of the war, quoting Axios, requested the rifles for civilian initial response teams in Israeli villages close to the borders with Gaza, Lebanon, and Syria. Local residents received weapons and training from the Israeli police in order to be first responders in case of another terrorist attack. Israel feels an urgent need for these rifles. The administration reportedly wrote the decision to delay this off to violence by Jewish settlers against Palestinians in the West Bank. But the message, wherever they say the reason is, the message is unmistakable and undeniable. The message from the United States to Israel, do what we, the Biden administration, tell you to do, or America will stop supporting you. Speaking of American direction, the president recently accused Israel of indiscriminate bombing, also known as war crimes. He went on to say if Israel doesn't change course, they will lose international support. President Biden is tightening the leash on the Israelis day by day. This, of course, only plays into the hands of Hamas, but there's a ground truth here. The tighter the timeline puts on Israel, the more aggressive it will become. And expect the president to keep tightening the leash, especially as calls for a ceasefire get louder here at home. The vice president now faced hecklers at her own house. Did you know that? Eliko Hahnemann is here, a former State Department official, U.S. Deputy Special Envoy to monitor and combat anti-Semitism. It's good to see you. Thank you. Um, we'll put aside for the second that uh, there's no rubble in Bethlehem right now, but never let facts get in the way of somebody being outraged. I, I think it was interesting from Benjamin Netanyahu. I say this in the face of great pain, but also in the face of international pressure. Nothing will stop us. We will go to the end, to the victory, no less than that. Do, do you read, as somebody who used to work in the U.S. government, the withholding of these M-16s as such a big deal as I do? 
Leland, I was in Israel just last week. I went on a fact-finding mission. And um, the notion of this moral equivalency that the Biden administration seems to be making by withholding the sales of M16s for Israeli civilians to be able to defend themselves against the kinds of atrocities which we saw committed by Hamas and by some Gaza civilians on October 7th, it is just reprehensible that the Biden administration is taking this step right now. And I want to tell you, when I was on the ground, I went to visit the uh, kibbutz community of Kfar Aza. The devastation I saw there is just not to believe. I was in homes where uh, I saw the evidence of where people were burned alive. Um, again, the massacres there are just are just hard for, for us to wrap our brains in. Around the atrocities committed, and uh, and it's just reprehensible you know, I, that the Biden administration would do this. Uh, we, we've reported extensively on on what happened. I I'm wondering, looking forward, how Israel plays this, right? Because they they are, they've continued to walk a pretty fine line. Um, at the same time, doing what they want and doing what they they need to do and say they need to do. Uh, how how do you read the Israeli reaction to? This continual uh, but steady pressure and increasing pressure uh, for them to change their tactics. There is one thing I can tell you that I uh, that I noticed when I was in Israel, which is complete unity among the Israeli people and among the Israeli government, they know that they must rid this world of Hamas. Otherwise, Hamas officials have told us themselves that they're just going to repeat the atrocities of October 7th over and over again. So um, so what I can tell you is that I would expect Prime Minister Netanyahu and and the IDF senior brass to just push back against the Biden administration. They know what the task is at hand. And the reality is that the American people support Israel, whether uh, Joe Biden does or not. Well, I, I would say that a certain group of the American people support Israel. There's there seems to be a, a large part that does not. Um, Fifty percent of people uh, under the age of 24. So there is that. Ellie, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, Speaking of Congress, it happened again. Congress beat the markets, and now you can too. Republican Rep. Mike Garcia secretly sold Boeing stock ahead of a damning report. The Daily Beast reports the former fighter pilot lawmaker sold up to 50,000 shares of Boeing just before a committee he was on released a damning report about Boeing. And then he blew the deadline to report the stock trade. There's nothing new about this, and his behavior isn't really all that unusual. We've reported for years on members of Congress who beat the market in their spare time. 20% of them beat the S&P 500 last year, compared to just 10% of fund managers who have beaten it over the past 10 years. In other words, members of Congress oftentimes do better trading stocks than professional fund managers. They make Warren Buffett look like a rank amateur. For example, we'll show you some of the biggest profits among lawmakers. Congressman Patrick Fallon and Congresswoman Debbie Washerman Schultz beat the market by more than 50%. Quiver Quantitative now lets you get in on the fun. Their tracker lets you trade just like Nancy Pelosi, who's up 50% this year, if you are counting. James Kardaski is here, co-founder and CEO of Quinter Quantitative. Hey, I I appreciate you being here. Um, Basically, as I understand it, you guys publish the trades made by Congress when they report them, right? Yeah, that's correct. So we've been scraping data from the congressional disclosure websites for, I guess, the past three years now. 
Um, basically, all that information is public. Uh, you know, it's reported in this really kind of old archaic system, I guess, that's on the House.gov and the Senate.gov website. Uh, we just have written code that goes through that, cleans it up, makes it a lot easier for people to understand, use it, and find insights from it. Okay, so in other words, though, it's, it can be up to 45 days delayed, right? And we've reported that there's been some remarkable coincidences, uh, shall we say, between when members of Congress make trades and then there's huge increases in the stock price. So if you just trade 45 days after when Congress, may, you know, a certain congressman may have made that trade, do you get in on all the gains? Yeah, so I should start by saying 45 days is kind of a best case scenario. Um, you know, that's what the Stock Act requires is that members of Congress disclose within 45 days of days when they make the trade. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times people just like don't follow that. There's not really strict enforcement of the Stock Act. Um, you know, a lot of the people who are on the committee that's supposed to be enforcing that are actually very active stock traders themselves and often don't follow the rules themselves. So, yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of the time people don't even report within 45 days. But you're completely correct that there is this gap between when trades happened and when they're reported. Um, what we found, though, is that even if you only act once the trades are publicly available, there's still often uh, pretty interesting signals you can find. And you can often outperform just by, uh, you know, acting off the information when it becomes available, even if you didn't know it right when the trade happened. All right, you're 24 years old. You've been doing this since you were 21. I'm, I'm fascinated how you came up with this way to track Congress, who beats the market, who often beats some of the best best investors in the world. Um, and look, you, you also follow, follow Warren Buffett, you follow Jim Cramer, you follow uh, others. Is there an explanation for Congress beating the market over and over and over again uh, without them at least having some either divine intervention or perhaps feelings, whispers, ideas that the rest of us don't get? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I wish I could say, like, I was the first one to realize this stuff was going on. But it's really kind of an open secret, I guess, and has been for a long time that members of Congress, first of all, often actively trade. But also, you know, it's a no brainer that they also have access to a lot of information that normal people just don't have access to, whether it comes from committees that they're in, where they get confidential information, or even just the connections that they have from being, uh, you know, embedded within Washington. So you can, you know, Obviously, think of like countless different ways that a person in mm -hmm. Congress could get inside information that could be very helpful for managing their portfolio. Mm -hmm. We've seen really, you know, across the board, all sorts of examples of ways that people have acted in very suspicious ways when it comes to managing their portfolios. And suspicious might be a kind word. Three in four Americans support a ban of stock trades by Congress. Uh, it's been proposed. It's obviously gone nowhere in Congress. Hey, um, James, uh, forget betting on Congress. I want to bet on you. 24 years old and you're doing this. Um, it's really impressive. Come back and talk to us about what you got, what you got going on next. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having right, me. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up next, a hot new trend in real estate, the doomsday community. If you're looking for creature comforts of home, well, with blast doors, we'll show you Home survivalists are buying to ride out the next world war. We've heard about doomsday preppers for a while now, people who build bunkers in their basements or backyards, but now it's becoming a big business. Real estate speculators say there's enough people out there who are worried that creating prepper real estate is a big deal. People are buying properties like this one you see here in bunker communities. They're actually quite nice, fully furnished, equipped with a year's supply of food and water, 
walk-in closet for your weapons. You've got to get there first out to South Dakota. Brian Enton actually made the journey out there. So in other words, Brian, you need a couple of day heads up on when the world about is about to end. Yes, or you need a plane full of gas, which some of the people who live out there actually have, and they're ready to go at any moment. Um, and it, it's interesting, like, when you think of preppers, maybe years ago, it kind of sounded like a crazy thing. But I think since COVID, and even since the wars and some of the crime in the cities, people are, you know, getting ready for things. I mean, they've got canned goods, you've got people who have... Um, gasoline, uh, canisters, um, and then there's the extremes, like what we saw in South Dakota, which was really unbelievable. Uh, Check out what we found. It it used to be an old uh, army base. Hey, I'm Brian. Nice to meet you, Nice to meet you. Hey, Mark. I'm Brian. Nice to meet you. We met up with Tom Dundas and his neighbor Mark at a gas station in the middle of rural South Dakota, and we followed them on a long drive through the country to Vivos X Point, a community that feels like it's at the end of the earth, and that's by design. We go through several security gates of the old army base, and then you spot all the mounds in the ground. Bombs used to be stored in these bunkers during World War II. Now people live here. I was looking at the brochure. It says nuclear pandemic, terrorism, asteroid, supervolcano, tsunami, solar flare. I mean, there's a lot of things out there to... That, that, that you could be worried about. I think the biggest thing is you go to big towns and the amount of crime and everything that goes on, you're really not safe anymore. Uh, the amount of population that's out there, I think is a big deterrent for a lot of people. They don't really like the name preppers out here or doomsday, but they're getting ready in case something really, really bad happens. The community is built to be totally self-sufficient. There's 533 of these bunkers out here, and I'm told about 200 have sold so far. Sales have been picking up. Uh, They're selling about six or seven every single month. The cost is $55,000. That's just for the bunker. Then you have to build out the inside. Uh, And it's a massive area out here, about 7,000 acres. We have a lot of um, ex-military. We have an awful lot of... um ex-law enforcement. Uh, we've got people that are teachers, that are you know, telecommuters. There's people that, you know, you have to have Starlink out here. It's the only internet you have, but yeah. it works very, very well. So people live out here and they telecommute and do their jobs right out of their bunkers. So some people are interested in moving up here. Other people are interested in having a place to bug out to if, if that's what they want. So this is one of these bunkers that's been built out. It's a little loud outside because they've got the generator going, but they, these bomb-blasted doors are on the front, which are really heavy and kind of difficult to open. Um, And once you've got that open, you come inside. There's another very, very secure door. The electrical room is right here. There's some storage on the other side. You'd never know, but the inside uh, is actually quite nice. Almost kind of feels like a fancy college apartment or something like that. Uh, There's no light that comes in from the outside, really. So that part might feel a little claustrophobic, but it's actually quite, um, quite open and airy. These are a few of the rooms. There's several bedrooms, bathrooms, a media room, extra fuel, and a gun safe. This actually is set up with a blast valve, so if there's a blast outside, it would equalize. That's part of that system that's up there. That's the blast valves on top. California businessman Robert Vecino bought the old army base in 2016, and he's been selling the bunkers ever since. He says people will have to take matters into their own hands during a doomsday event. You know, the government will never tell you anything bad that it doesn't claim to have a solution for. If I told you we're going to get hit by an asteroid tomorrow and it's 
going to take on half the world, um, you'd flip out. Your entire audience would go out in the street screaming right now. Vecino has bunkers around the country he says can comfortably house 5,000 people. He encourages members of his community to stockpile a year's worth of food and fuel and prioritize security. They're going to they're gonna stand their ground. Nobody's going to be waltzing in and saying, I want what you got. It's not going to happen. Do you think it could ever get to the point where you would want to move out there permanently just because of everything going on in the cities? Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, it, I, I mean, it depends on how, how bad things got. Philippe Briggs is a military veteran and retired police officer. He owns a bunker here and is concerned about crime getting out of control in big cities. I mean, people just realize in the big cities now that it's just not a safe place to be anyway. You know, you don't have enough cops uh, realistically in these big cities. They're overpopulated. Most of the residents at Vivos didn't want to be on TV, but told me off camera... It's crime and overpopulation they're most worried about. Since COVID and the wars in Ukraine and Israel, the bunkers are in even higher demand. Right now, all of F section is sold. Um, All of this E section is sold. We're in the process of going through and selling this. And it's interesting, Leland, they don't just let anyone buy a bunker. You have to be vetted. They want you to have a certain skill uh, that you can add to the community. And they want people who they say uh, are like minded. No, so they, they need doctors. They are going to need dentists. They're going to need engineers, all sorts of things out there. Yeah. Brian, great reporting uh, as always. Thank you. Um, we'll talk soon. Coming up next, Thanks, their sir. motto is zero fail. Zero fail. But after a new report details the failures of President Obama's Secret Service detail to save a drowning man, well, they may need a new motto. Washington's open secret on the Secret Service, uh, not on Oprah, Oprah when we come back. Oprah, remember her? She's been gone for a little while, but she is now admitted in an exclusive interview with People magazine, if people still read People, that she's been using the weight loss drug Ozempic to help shed some weight. All right, Cuomo's here. Uh, You've been on this Ozempic thing almost since your show started. You really were ahead of the curve on this. And now Oprah's saying she's on it. Is this gonna become like a thing that the whole world's on? Well, I think that's the issue. And just to be clear to your audience, He's not saying that I've been on Ozempic. We've been following no, you've been on the story. The you've been on the story from yes. uh, for a while. Now look, even that reaction uh, isn't right. I'm not judging it. I'm just worried. I just can't believe, and the data doesn't support this, that something that wasn't designed to be used for this, that takes weight off in the ways that it does, that it's just a free pass and it just works mm-hmm. and it's amazing and everybody should take it. I just have concerns. Hey, what, you, what about penicillin? Penicillin was the fungus that somebody found. Nobody was even trying to experiment, and they figured it out. Listen, uh, there's no question that we've made lots of developments that were inadvertent. I'm just saying you have to see what else you learn. And it is very rare. You know, I'm old enough to remember FenFen, where people start taking something because it seems like it's great. And it isn't. And tonight we're going to continue our coverage. We have a doctor who wants to look at data that's coming out of hospitals that raise questions. I mean, we all know when it comes to fitness, if it seems too good to be true, maybe it is. I just want people to be careful. I'm happy for Oprah and all the other people in my life who are loving this. And absolutely, she will encourage people to take it. All right. 
Sounds good. We will we will wait for it. And your your coverage of it's been important. Actually, it's been uh, fair and skeptical, which is actually what journalists should be doing. So keep it up. Uh, we'll see you at the top of the hour. Coming up next, the latest in a long line of Secret Service snafus. How agents couldn't even figure out how to use their own boat when they had to. Barack Obama's Secret Service detail apparently doesn't know how to operate their boats. Former president spends a good chunk of his time at his home on Martha's Vineyard, a home on the water on an island. We know about the boats because the Secret Service just released its records of when Obama's personal chef drowned over the summer. This is part of the document obtained by Judicial Watch. The Secret Service agent, quote, attempted to start one of the boats, but had difficulties lowering the motor. A similar issue occurred with the motor on the second boat, so they were unable to operate both Secret Service boats. They were eventually successful when they jumped into a third boat belonging to the gardener, and it worked without issue. Joining us now, Charles Marino, former Secret Service Supervisory Special Agent and Department of Homeland Security Advisor. I I know you're going to make the case that this isn't as bad as it seems, but shouldn't knowing how to operate the boats be... 101 for a Secret Service agent where the protectees living on the water? Hey, Leland, good to be with you. Yeah, look, I think at some point in time, we're going to be able to have an argument here about whether or not all Secret Service employees on a particular property near the water should be trained in all of the water assets that are on that property. I think there's an argument to be made there. What I will say is the Secret Service has a specific water safety program that is designed to safely protect those protectees that participate in activities in and around the water. Now, during this situation, the former president and family were off of the property and there were no plans to participate in water activities throughout that day. So that team was not there. They were off property uh, with the former first family. Now, what I can tell you is the two agents Uh, that became involved in this became nothing more than what I would say is good Samaritans. They were assigned to the property to protect the residents, saw the uh, unfortunate situation to take action. Uh, you, you, make, you make a good point. Uh, we were showing pictures of the Secret Service detail when he, they were out with the former president, H.W. Uh, Bush. I, but look, the Secret Service has had some issues lately, right? Couldn't find the solve the cocaine caper. Uh, the folks who crashed the state dinner, the intruder, uh, the home uh, of Jake Sullivan, who bypassed Secret Service agents, uh, the fence jumper incidents, the Cartagena prostitution scandal. For an organization that says zero fail, these are an awful lot of failures. You get the last 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I don't think this is the one, Leland. I I think, look, the situation that we're talking about, tragic uh, I think they should be training all agents uh, in all of the water assets at a property. I think going back in hindsight, the Secret Service would likely agree with that. But what I can tell you here is that you had an employee of the former president 